Sports Social with Ed Easton Jr. We are back once again here on iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, basically anywhere you can find a podcast. I made sure the show is available. So thank you for those that keep supporting as well as Brooklyn Free Speech Radio. Cannot forget about that. I This episode, I do want to just uh, really take the time and address an issue that's been going on in the NBA for years but now it's become its own epidemic, its own enemy, its own virus, whatever you want to call it. It's become as part of the game as a simple jump shot and a crossover. Because winning and losing doesn't mean just, oh, if you win, you're the best. Losing has now become such a priority around the league. And we're at that time where teams are gearing up for the playoffs and then there's teams that are hoping to maybe get to that eighth or seventh slot. And then those are the, the, the other teams, you know, the, um, how can I explain that? The New York Knicks of the world that are just trying to lose out, get through the season and help their chances come this May for the NBA lottery. Now, for those that may have just been living under a rock forever, they don't understand how the NBA lottery and the draft process works. Let me give you a quick little rundown. Since 1985, that was the first NBA draft lottery, and it was won by the New York Knicks. The big prize that year, Patrick Ewing, number one overall pick consensus out of Georgetown. Every team was trying to get him, so they were trying to to lose and, and get enough lottery balls so that they would have the highest chance of getting picked for the number one pick, obviously. The Knicks were the lucky team that season. That's the only time the Knicks have ever won the draft lottery was the very first one. And since then began a a level of, okay, teams that know they're not making the playoffs, they're going to just try to lose out a little bit, help their chances, get enough ping pong balls for lottery day and help their, their chances to becoming the proud owner of the number one pick. Fast forward a couple more years, let's say to about 2003. 2003 is important because that's the infamous draft class that gave us LeBron James, Chris Bosh, Dwayne Wade, Carmelo Anthony. It was no secret that there was going to be a certain young basketball player out of Akron, Ohio, was going to go number one. Number one pick was going to be LeBron James. We all know this. The Cleveland Cavaliers made it a point. I mean, it was too, it was so obvious from even the first week of the season that they were losing. They put out such a poor product that they wanted to ensure in every way that LeBron James was staying home. He's going to be savior for the franchise. Well, you guys all know the rest of the story. Another infamous tanking story, which I think gets overlooked a lot is the 1997, I believe 96-97 San Antonio Spurs. That team was a really good team. Just got hit with a bunch of injuries. David Robinson went down. They had some issues with other players getting hurt. And they lost a lot of games. Greg Popovich, I believe, was in his first season as the team's head coach. They did not look good. So instead of rushing David Robinson back at the end of the year, 
they decided to just purposely lose games and tank for a certain young player out of Wake Forest. And just like that, a team that, once again, like I said, had a lot of talent, just got hit with the injury bug. In two years, they're NBA champions. They're 1999 NBA champions. There's no coincidence in the way this formula works. Because not only did they win the title in 1999, they won a couple of more titles. This created a dynasty that goes on to this day. Now, if you're a team that's struggling and and hoping for some type of, you know, help in the draft, like this is the the mindset that you have to go in with. Players know it now, teams, you know, it's not just owners, fans know it. We start calling for tanking now as early as December, November. It's gotten to that point. I really it's gotten to the point as a Knicks fan because Let's be fair. This this season was a wash from the from the get go. The plan was always to prepare for next season. Get a decent draft pick. Don't play Porzingis. Well, now I don't have to worry about that because they traded him. Make sure guys like Kevin Knox, Frank Nilakina, Moutier. Let's see what we got him. Alonzo Trier, Mitchell Robinson. Let's see what we have out of them. Let's see if they can if they can grow into this role as professional NBA players, potential stars. And then add a superstar. The only superstar that matters, Zion Williamson. Even though there are some good players that are from Duke that will be available in the draft, Zion Williamson is the ultimate goal. Knicks fans will not be satisfied if they do not leave that lottery with the number one pick. The team currently has the worst record, but if you look on Tankathon, that is the best chance to get the number one pick if the rules were the same as last season. Because this season, the rules are a little different. As Adam Silver was very open to pointing out, this year, the top three worst, worst records in the league get the same percentage. They each share a 14% chance of getting the number one pick. This is to, in their eyes, to avoid full-on tank mode. i got to be honest with you. It, it doesn't seem like it's working too much. You're still seeing the Knicks obviously lose. You're still seeing the Chicago Bulls lose. You're still seeing the Cleveland Cavaliers lose and the Phoenix Suns. Now, the Phoenix Suns just had the number one pick with DeAndre Ayton. They still are amongst the worst teams in the NBA because of the way the franchise is set up. They're just, it seems like they're always in the lottery. And, and when you look at the Tankathon rank, um, rankings, and I'm giving you guys a lot of shout outs because let's be honest, everyone checks out that website just to see where their team actually stands when they're out of it. They're always there in that top five, top three. It seems like a win is a loss at the end of the day. So, I got to go back to the Knicks fans again. Zion Williamson. We see him. We watch what he's doing in Duke. Will he be the answer to all the problems? And if for the, let's, let's, let's put it with every other team. Will he be the answer for any other team's problems? Because I've heard all this for many years. 
Tim Duncan was the answer for the Spurs, but remember, the Spurs were already a good team. They just needed that extra superstar. That's why they created the Twin Towers. The Cleveland Cavaliers struggled their first couple seasons with LeBron. They were not a good team. It took them a while. I believe it wasn't until 2007 when they went on that run and got to the finals. To only get swept by those same Spurs. So it's kind of a an interesting complex when you look at tanking and NBA draft lottery, the structure. There are different ways in which people have approached it. And I always think it's interesting because Mark Cuban, who you're going to hear a clip from what he said two years ago about tanking. And he was honest about it. He's one of the few owners and he got fined for about $600,000 for these comments he made on the Dan Patrick show about accepting tanking and uh, th- this is basically what the plan is for the league. You also got a guy like Kevin Durant, who I got some audio from him, talking about players taking it seriously about playing these games. And and really, you got to put it in perspective. They are caring about their own livelihoods. It's not just about the franchise, the franchise. That's the owner's job. It's a very interesting complex, so like I said, I'm going to play some audio from there, as well as David Fisdale talking about the Knicks and their potential plan moving forward and his promise to the fans, especially after the Kristaps Porzingis trade and just the whole focus on what they really want to do with this draft pick and beyond. And just as a, uh, a little reflection, because I am a Knicks fan, I, I, I've said this plenty of times. I do want to share some interviews that I did at the very beginning of the year on opening night. Got a chance to talk to Nate Robinson, David Lee, Mr. B.A. Share their thoughts on the Knicks going into the season. So I really do like to go back and give a little flashback to say what they were thinking before all the trades happened, before the actual losing happened. So we're going to do a little uh, trip down memory lane in regards to that. And as always, hit me on Twitter, Instagram, at Ed Easton Jr. Let me know what you think. I'm going to read some of the comments from some of you guys in regards to what you think about what's going on with the Knicks right now. Because it's actually a lot of fun. You're listening to Sports Social with Ed Easton Jr. here on iHeartRadio. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, as well as Brooklyn Free Speech Radio. iHeartRadio now combines your favorite radio stations, plus your on-demand music collection, all in one app. iHeartRadio All Access now allows you to take your music collection offline to listen anywhere without a connection or using data. From the My Music Pivot, tap on a playlist you want to take offline. Toggle to Offline. Indicators will fill in seconds, showing when your tracks and playlists are available offline. Radio plus unlimited music all in one app. Why not attend the lottery? Have you attended the lottery before? Yeah, one time. and I said I'd never do it again. <laughs> Why? Um, I just... You know, honestly, my thoughts were this is this is the loser circle, and I never wanted to be back. And we didn't hit the lottery again for 15 years, and I just never wanted to go. Um, just my attitude. Does the lottery work? Not as well as it should, but you know, there there aren't a whole lot of alternatives. 
um, it works well enough, I guess. It, it obviously creates some misincentives towards the end of the season for teams that aren't going to make the playoffs. But, you know, until you can come up with a better solution, that's what we got. This is the solution I have, and I don't know if you'll poke holes in it, and please do, but if you said once you're, you're eliminated from playoff contention, every win you have after that, we, we then reward you because you're at least trying to put a good product on the floor and you're not shortchanging your audience, you're not tanking, but I'm going to reward you after you're eliminated from the postseason uh, with uh, you know, the number of ping-pong balls or opportunities that you would get. The, the problem is, if you know you're in rebuild, then you tank super early and you lose your games early so that you get eliminated from the playoffs early and get more ping-pong balls. But I don't know if you're going to be that good that you're going to be winning games if you're, ta- you know, you're not that good in the first well, no, place. No, but I mean, it's like, look, you know, we all, you know, the Mavs, once we were eliminated from the, the playoffs, we did everything possible to lose games. And so if we did it up front, if we knew okay. that this was a rebuild season and we just did it up front, then you know you you know you kind of know what kind of team you have, and if you could get eliminated early and then start building momentum, you can finish you know your season thirty and ten, <laughs> and end up with a boatload of ping pong balls. How did you tank? How do you you, you know play all your young players? Okay, that was it. But there is a, is it uh, you send out a memo or you just say no no because the guys once a guy walks on the court they're going to play the hard out particularly the young guys because they have something to prove. So, you know, Dorian Finney-Smith, um, Yogi Ferrell, there, there's nothing you could say or do to them to say don't play hard or try to lose this game. That wouldn't be right, in, and I don't think any NBA team would ever do that. But when you have Salah Mesri shooting threes. <laughs> <laughs> That's not a good thing. Yeah. yeah. I didn't think about it, but, uh, I mean, obviously you want to win every game we play. So, yeah, that would be cool. Um, uh, That's not like a goal we're trying to set. It's just a... Let's see if we can win now. I mean, obviously we want to just play good basketball, and whatever happens, you know, after that it happens. But every team's goal is to win every single game. Well, not every team. uh, (laughs) 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 But uh, uh, our goal is to win every game we can and play as hard as we can and get better every game. With that said, what what do you kind of think about, like, the tanking phenomenon across the league? And now they're saying about 8 out of 30 teams are basically wanting to lose. (laughs) Uh, I just think that's more so the front office and the business side of the uh, thing. I don't think the players are going out there and – trying to lose, but, you know, obviously if the GMs tell your coaches who to play and you bring a lot of D-League guys up, obviously you want to try to get that pick. And I understand that, you know what I'm saying? You want to try to get the best player you can for the future. But I think the players on the court more so than anything, they respect the game and respect, you know, the flow of the game and they want to win. But, you know, GM and the owner, obviously, they're not playing. So they want to try to do his best with business down the line. So I, I get it. Do you think there should be any kind of reform so there isn't that kind of conflicting agendas within the different parties? Uh, no. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure it's been going on for a while. Yeah. Uh, it's more publicized nowadays. Uh, does it matter, to be honest? I mean, it's not. It's, you still got great teams, and you always going to have bad teams, and, you know, middle-of-the-pack teams. That's just how it is. Uh, but, you know, I think the players are still going out and trying to win basketball games like, you know, Atlanta team record-wise is not the best in the league, but they're going to come out and play extremely hard. And no matter who they have on the floor, um, they're going to play inspired basketball. So that's that's the only thing that matters to me. The front office is going to make their decisions. Adam, why was lottery reform right for the league right now? 
I felt lottery reform was important because there was a perception um, in many of our communities that the best path to rebuilding their teams was to race to the bottom. I don't necessarily agree that that's the optimal strategy to create a great team, but it became currency in this league. So much so that there were situations in many of our team communities where the team felt under pressure to engage in that strategy, even when they didn't think that was the best strategy to build their team. In addition, there's no question that the analytics were suggesting that a plausible strategy was to be bad, not to suggest they were intentionally losing games, but to be bad, to, to trade away otherwise very serviceable players and embark on a strategy that required them to, in essence, field poor teams, giving, which they believe would give them the best chance to improve over the long term. And I felt it was corrosive to this league. And that what, what we did was a compromise, in effect. Um, I think that the, what, what we've put in place um, is by far, is far from perfect. I think what it does is it flattens the odds among the worst performing teams going into the lottery so that there's no longer an incentive to try to calibrate between the worst record and the second worst record and the second worst record and the third worst record, but at the same time recognizes that poor performing teams do need to get high draft picks as a legitimate way to rebuild their team. So I, so it, I think it's, it's a combination of perception, but substance too, that I think that, that the teams, there, there was too great an incentive for teams to embark on that strategy under the current odds. Third row on the right, Steve. Uh, Steve Ashburner, NBA.com. You started off by talking about how the uh, lottery odds will be lessened for the teams with the worst records, and the whole philosophy of a draft is that the neediest teams get help. So I'm wondering, was there any discussion of somehow monitoring or addressing this in real time as the season plays out, as opposed to take away the brass ring at the back end of the season? Uh, Steve, we do monitor it as the season plays out, but I think as you know, we're talking about season-long strategies in certain cases towards rebuilding teams. So I think clearly the league would step in if we ever thought there was something untoward happening. But it's, again, I think this was, it, it, we, were, we were looking holistically to sort of change incentives rather than just look particularly at a given game, if that's what you're suggesting. Okay, you just heard from Kevin Durant his thoughts on tanking from the player's perspective you also got Mark Cuban and his infamous comments that he made on a Dan Patrick show, talking from an owner's perspective for the most part, and then the man himself, Adam Silver, laying down the law heading into this season about what was going to happen with the new draft lottery and the repercussions if teams just didn't follow. So I just like how he's kind of saying we're not, you know, tanking is not allowed, even though it's still technically allowed, and this whole new lottery procedure, but... This is basically what's happening right now. Uh, we're going to do a step aside for a break. And when we come back, I'm going to get into those two interviews I promised. Nate Robinson, David Lee, as well as B.A.Dot. You're listening to Sports Social with Eddieston Jr. Here on Brooklyn Free Speech Radio, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. 
I'm Paul George. When I was six, I had one thing on my mind. When I was six, my days were spent playing basketball every chance I could. When I was six, my dream was to make it to the NBA. When I was six, my mom had a stroke. So I want you to learn the signs of a stroke fast. F-A-S-T. F, face drooping. A, arm weakness. S, speech difficulty. T, time to call 911. Because the sooner they get to the hospital, the sooner they'll get treatment. And that can make a remarkable difference in their recovery. I'm Paul George. Protect the ones you love. Spot a stroke F-A-S-T. Fast. Life is why. Visit strokeassociation.org. Brought to you by the American Stroke Association and the Ad Council. Okay, Eddie Stegier for Hoops Habit. I'm here with Nate Robinson and David Lee, New York Knicks legends. Guys, how's it feel to be here? Yeah. <laughs> hey, to be a legend. I like that. I like that. Uh, definitely legends. And uh, how's it feel to be working with Mountain Dew Ice for this uh, pregame? It's, it's great. We're both, uh, my Mountain Dew Ice is actually sitting over there. It's great to be here at the activation as well as uh, to be here supporting the Knicks tonight from, uh, from the other side of the court, from watching instead of being on the court. So it's a little different feeling for oh, us, but we're excited yeah. to be a part of both tonight. Thanks for having us. Yeah, oh, definitely. And um, now, obviously, you guys both started your careers here in New York. Uh, is there any advice you would have for uh, Kevin Knox as he begins his career? Man, just uh, seriously, just in, in, enjoy the moment and understand that, you know, just let it be a game. You know, just enjoy it as being a game and, uh, and just try to make your mark here, uh, you know, for kids to see later on in life. They'll know who you are, and then whatever you put into it, you'll get out of it. Yeah, I think I think the way we both approached it, we've been talking about it today, is take all the thinking out of it. Instead, go out there, play as hard as you can, do what you do best. And uh, the fans here and the media here in this city recognize that, and they 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 know when you're out there giving it everything you have. And uh, let the rest just be taken over by your talent here and, and, and how you, well you know the game. But you put that focus on just playing hard and giving everything you have, the rest will take care of itself. Facts. Now, David, you're sort of new to retirement right now. Yeah, yeah, I'm just figuring this thing out here. <laughs> I was gonna ask you, how is it? Is it? Does it feel like really different, just not having to get up and uh, you know play ball on a regular basis? Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, I, I'm I'm excited about the new chapter. Like I, you know, played 12 years in the league and and really enjoyed my time. Gave it everything I had, and uh, even got a couple calls this summer. And I was very confident in saying that uh, that it's run its course for me. And um, I'm just excited about the next part of life and, and thinking about something other than basketball every single day when I wake up. So I um, really enjoyed my time, though, and it's great to come back in situations like this and out west with Golden State and, um, and, and interact with the fans that, that, supported, that supported me and also Nate when we were here. And, uh, and to be on the other side of it and to be able to sit back and enjoy watching some basketball instead of playing it. Definitely, and Nate, you just were recently in uh, the movie Uncle Drew. Mm -hmm. Is this uh, out, now, out, out now? Out now, out now. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> out now. Are you? Is this the start of a huge uh, acting career? Uh, I mean, I would hope so. I mean, it's not something that I'm just out searching for right now because I mean, there's still a lot of basketball for me to be played. Uh, me and then being a dad, so that my kids take a lot of my time, and it's pretty cool to watch them grow and have uh, whole dreams, and you know, going through schools, the system, and. Uh, all just really just growing up being a you know being a human being so for me it's just being a dad and you know trying to get like D Lee and try to enjoy my uh, re retirement now but you know being a busy dad is, is pretty tough. Okay, 
Okay, and uh, guys, my last question, uh, New York Knicks, how do we feel about this season and uh, moving forward? Uh, I mean, I'm excited. It's always exciting for Knicks fans every year when it's, you know, beginning of the season. We always look forward to it. But I know, you know, for sure now, the way the game has changed, uh, it's going to be fun for them. So it's going to be a great journey for all the rookies and all the first, you know, time guys that are out here, uh, you know, trying to make a name for themselves. But it's going to be fun. I think that hopefully this year, especially with Braun being on the West, it's going to be a little bit easier in the, in the East for them to kind of make a name and, uh, you know, for the team. So it's going to be good, pretty cool. Yeah, I think there's a lot for fans to be excited about. You have new coaching staff in here um, and some good young players, and I think that they're making the commitment to build with youth right now. And uh, obviously you have uh, KP coming back when he comes back, and uh, he's a guy that I think the Knicks can build around. They've committed to doing that. So it's, I think, some really exciting times, and, and I, I think from what I've seen in the preseason, I've watched a little bit, a group that's going to play hard out there and have fun and play together. And that's all the fans here want to see. So I think that they're going to have a good treat and hopefully get off to a good start tonight. Yeah. Sounds good. Thanks, guys. Yeah. Thanks, Thanks for having us. Season. Thank you. Now, obviously, you impersonate all the big names. And there's uh, Nate Robinson here at Angel League. Now, uh, have you done like a great Nate Robinson impersonation? Oh, well, yeah. I've, I've done, I've done a, uh, a couple little, a couple moves I haven't broadcasting yet. Uh, I still have some unreleased footage, but. You know, I think this is this this upcoming week since the NBA starting. It, it, it'll be time to you know to bring that out. So a couple a couple good Nate Robinson moments, especially David Lee. David, his game is so you know uh, I don't want to say you know it's, it's different. You know I love David David Lee under under the basket player. Still like to get the job done and with that that you know that unique left hand shot. Yeah, obviously you're wearing a Knicks here. They're like a, an old time Nick that. You would love to impersonate like in their prime. Um, probably uh, Starks. Uh, I like Starks. Uh, of course, of course, of course, you. Mm -hmm. uh, matter of fact, man, that whole cast, Charles Oakley. Uh, yes, uh, Allen Houston. If I can, if I was able to, you know, go to one of the well-renowned parks around here and do a, you know, all-time Knicks impersonation, then I definitely, I definitely would do that. And I got to ask you now, obviously you've been on celebrity games, you've done you know, so many different events, it seems like, when it comes to this. Who is your all-time favorite NBA player to impersonate? My all-time favorite is Westbrook. Yes, Westbrook, just because he's the one that started, he's my favorite player. And he's the one that popped everything off. I just love his energy, and it's just you know, it's just something that's unmatched, and it's the and that's the impersonation that changed my whole life. Man, I got a good feeling, man. The Knicks. Oh, man, I think I think the Knicks might the Knicks might take it. They might surprise me. Young boys might come together. You know, Porzingis come back. Get them right. <laughs> we're looking forward to that unicorn impression. Oh yes, oh. Porzingis impressions, it is coming, man, so. <laughs> thank you very much. Okay, now those comments, as I was promised, thank you for those that hit me up via the email section on my Instagram, at Ed Easton Jr. I'm going to read it real quick. We have two two comments, two questions, I should say. Uh, the first question, which is more of a shot at uh, Tim Hardaway Jr., and he asked, did you think we really were going to win with Tim Hardaway Jr. as our leader? Quick answer was no, but it was one of those things where it's like, okay, we need a guy just to entertain the crowd, win some games, because at the end of the day, the Knicks were competitive. He played very well in the beginning of the season. I had at one point uh, considered him a sleeper for an all-star spot uh, until things kind of started crashing down, and then the trade eventually happened with him going to Dallas. 
I'm a big Tim Hardaway Jr. guy. I, I liked him in New York both times he was here. Uh, it's, it's just really a messed up situation, but that's the business. Now, the second question, which I think is going to be always thrown around there, especially this summer, what are the odds that the Knicks get Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving? Now, I'm going to be honest. I believe Kyrie Irving is going to make it. He's going to make some type of deal here, whether it's um, a long-term deal, I don't know. I just feel like he's a guy that doesn't necessarily want that big commitment. He's He gets a little spacey in regards to... Does he want to stay with one team? Is he going to be happy being the leader? I can see the Knicks doing a shorter-term deal with a lot of money just to see if they can sneak a title out in one or two years. But the big fish will have to be Kevin Durant. Um, I know that everyone's talking about Royal Ivy being an assistant coach with the Knicks. Good friends good friends with Durant. That could be an influence. I actually got a chance to um, meet Royal Ivy uh, not too long ago and you know, it would be interesting to see if that friendship is a big thing. We saw in both games when the Knicks lost to the Warriors, him and Royal Ivy, um, Durant and Royal Ivy, I should say, had a nice little, you know, hey, how you doing moment. These are always going to be factors. I don't think it's the key factor, but there is the rumblings of maybe that could matter in his decision. But who knows? Kevin Durant coming to New York would be huge. I think if you get Durant, then anybody's a possibility because he is he is like a top three player. I mean, what else can you really expect? Uh, it should be interesting. Um, this was fun. Thank you for those with the email. Um, eventually, I want to have people leave messages so I can have your audio here. It's not me just reading. So uh, thank you. Keep sending me emails until then at Eddie Jr., whether it's Instagram or Twitter. NFC, AFC, offensive linemen. Defensive tackles, quarterbacks, and cornerbacks are all working with United Way for a million little reasons, the kids of our communities, to ensure their academic success all the way to graduation day. You see, it takes about 12 years to create a graduate, but it takes the same time to create a dropout. And the difference between a kid becoming one or the other could be a professional athlete or it could be you. Studies showed the earlier we get to kids, the better their chances. So become a United Way volunteer reader, tutor, or mentor, and make a difference in the life of a child, for the life of that child. Give. Advocate. Volunteer. Live United. Join your favorite NFL players. Take the pledge. Go to unitedway.org. Uh, it's been a whirlwind. Obviously, a big move like that. Uh, obviously, a, a lot of change, but you know, we're still trying to. It's not over. We still haven't even practiced with our new guys yet, so we're still trying to get everything uh, finalized. Any updates on uh, Moutier or Frank possibility of them tomorrow? Yeah, they're still. They're, they're not going to be here tomorrow for sure, but uh, definitely healing. I think Moutier is a, a little further behind Frank. What's the message to, to the guys after they go through a? Uh, a whirlwind like they've been through the last 24 hours. You just try to educate them. You know, some of these guys never been through this kind of stuff before, never seen trades like this. Um, my big thing was always have empathy for your guys that's not here. Reach out to them, you know, check on them, make sure they're good, and, and you know, show the new guys that's coming in what we're about, show them our culture, show them what we stand for. Um, you know, and, you know, our guys, they responded well to it, but, you know, they also understand that uh, those guys will be missed. Hey everyone. Um.
Joachim comes, comes back to the goal tomorrow. Just, would you like to coach him? I mean, uh, that's a tough question. I don't know how that goes, but I, I love coaching all of these guys. Whoever would have been on this roster, I would have been excited to coach them. Um, it just didn't work out that way, and, you know, just happy that he got to land somewhere and could continue his career. Do you have a definite word on tomorrow with the new guys? They're not available. No, we don't know yet. Yeah, it's still in holding right now, so we don't know uh, uh, when it's going to go through. Just excited that they're here, uh, you know, We'll get two veterans at, at the positions that can really help a couple of these young guys. Um, and, and with the way that Mitchell is coming along, I mean, the, the injection of a DeAndre Jordan, I mean, it's basically his, <laughs> his big brother from the standpoint of how they play. And so I just think he's going to have such a great impact on him uh, and his, his growth and development. Same with Dot and Zoe. Um, I think Wes is, uh, is a guy who, you know, throughout his career has been a two-way player. Um, you know, he really understands how to play winning tough basketball, uh, how to compete when things are crazy. Um, I think he's really going to be good for those guys. So. How do you handle uh, Ben Dennis Smith and what you tell him? Very similar to what I told Mud. Don't look over at me. Don't put your head down. Be yourself. And we'll work out the kinks. What's your message to New York Knicks fans who are wondering where this team is headed with this? Uh, we're still on the same plan. I, I, I don't feel like we've, we missed a beat, you know. Uh, obviously, we never planned on, on KP not wanting to be a part of the plan. But we said from the beginning, we are going to build through our draft. We're going to open up cash space. Uh, we're going to build a team with guys that really want to be here. And uh, I just really feel like uh, Scott Perry and Steve did such an excellent job with this. You got to see Dennis the night before. You said you wanted to be himself. What what, what is? Himself? Hopefully, it's that. <laughs> you know, just a powerful, explosive guard who can get into the paint against anybody, uh, who gets other people involved, who rebounds the ball. Um, you know, I told him I'm gonna, I'm gonna try to really challenge you defensively to take it to another level because there's more there, and uh, he's open to it. He's he's embracing it, and I think he's really excited about this. Finally, Luke coming back. Hopeful now he can put some more. Um, yeah, hold. exactly. I, I just wanted to get his feet wet. Uh, a lot of it, you know, with starting him too right out the gate was I didn't want him to get tight. You know, once he was loose and revved up to start the game, I said let's get him right back out there. You know, while he's while he's that thing is loosened up, same at halftime. You know, he can get it loose and, and get to playing. And I was happy with his minutes. That was David Fisdale giving his thoughts on the Knicks after the deal, and this was literally like the day of or the very next day after they made the big trade with Christos Porzingis leaving. And I, I just have to take a look at it myself because I was a big Christos Porzingis supporter. I was disappointed with the way things went down and, and just the fact that he waited so long right to the trade deadline to say that he was unhappy. And they were always on a plan. And, and I like the fact that Coach Fisdale brought that up. The plan was never really to win. The plan was to, quote-unquote, tank while you get healthy, and then when you're 100% the following season, we'll pair you up with, hopefully, Zion Williamson, some already-developed young players, and we just move on from there. I don't know what happened in this infamous meeting with um, Scott Perry and I don't, you know, I don't know what the what they really were discussing and how long did the Knicks have this prepared as an alternative? Because let's be honest, it was a big deal. 
this trade went down in, I don't know, maybe about one to two hours after this infamous meeting took place. Now, I look at the Knicks roster. The first thing that steps out to me is if we hypothetically say Zion Williamson is on this team, if they finish the tank job right now, remember it's only March, they still could sneak and win some games. If they do get the number one pick and Zion Williamson comes to New York, you now start to play the guessing game of will he be playing with Dennis Smith Jr. and Kyrie Irving and Emmanuel Moutier, or will there be another trade being made? Who, which Knicks are sticking around? As Alonzo Trier seems to be a guy that everyone likes. Will he stick around? Moutier is big with David Fisdale. Will he stick around? Dennis Smith Jr. has become a fan favorite quickly with his athleticism and his flair. Will he stick around? These are big questions that are still yet to be answered for the Knicks. Now, another big thing when you look at this roster you're talking about the two max players, and I said Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant. There's a reason why I put him in there as an example. All of this affects what happens. The Knicks tanking, these teams tanking affects what happens in free agency the following season because you got to determine the draft picks. Then you got to determine which team fits where with which players. There are so many things that go into this, hence why they're trying to figure out a way to fix the situation in terms of, okay, this team can't keep losing and is going to keep messing up the flow of the game. But then you also got tampering. Let's be honest. Adam Silver, and I'm going to give him credit for this. He's doing a great job of managing what could be a huge mess, a huge PR nightmare if this was the NFL. I just think there's so many things going on with the league that they've kind of kept hush-hush. They've kind of kept to a point where you're not bothered by it because they're not outwardly saying, all right, these teams aren't playing hard. They're not saying these teams are, are openly, you know, tampering with this. They're saying these things are happening, but they're not making it to the point where it's like a national problem with the NBA. The NBA is under siege and all of this, like you hear with the NFL. The league has to be policed in some way. I'm a big fan of you have to police it. You got to have some type of balance. Or else you're not going to have an interesting league to watch in the first place. And that's the number one priority as the commissioner. You want to make sure you have an effective and enjoyable product out there. So loading up on draft picks, teams tanking, the Philadelphia 76ers, you know, they built their own version of a, uh, a future dynasty is what they're hoping for. They put together a pretty good squad off of tanking for multiple seasons. They were trusting the process. Now, how far has the process gotten them? We don't know because they're still in progress. They have not made it past the second round yet. But teams look at that and they say, I want to build this way. Maybe I can't get that star free agent right away if I don't have the nice young talent to put next to him. So I see what the NBA is doing. I see the adjustments that are being made. And like I said, Adam Silver does a great job. This is why the NFL contacted him to help fix their league. It's going to be a process. Now, for Knicks fans, after just hearing all the optimism and, and things from those interviews I said back in the beginning of the season, the fan base will continue to support. 
It's it's what it is. It's an abusive situation, but Knicks fans are loyal throughout everything. And I don't see that ever changing. So that's something Knicks always the Knicks always have in their back pocket. But you got to start winning. There has to be a transition to winning. This losing in order for the future has got to stop. Everyone's tired of it. I know I'm tired of it. I've talked about this so many times in regards to the potential, making these hypothetical guesses of what the Knicks roster will be. I want to see wins. I know they want to see wins too. We want to see wins out here. That's the goal. If you're the Knicks, pull it together. If it's the draft picks, let's see what happens. It's it's basically gotten to that point. Who knows? You might have Zion Williamson. You might have the next big thing. This is a big possibility. Until then, Knicks fans, we just got to wait it out. Hope the tanking was worth it. And move on from there. You will listen to Sports Social with Eddie St. Jr. We'll be right back. It's important to plan ahead for emergencies. Like, like the storm. storm. When, when it kicked in, we had we a plan. Separated. We, we were, were able to get in touch with each other in no had time. no idea how to find each other. My, My husband... husband Kept the kids Tried occupied. calling our son, but there was no reception. Everything was down. I, I felt, felt like, like breaking we handled down everything crying, very but well. I had to try and stay calm. The, the whole, whole experience, experience was fine. was the most frightening ten hours of my life. It was, it was kind, kind of, of like, like a little family adventure. Every hopes will never happen to her. I, I remember, remember the, the relief of being that together. I realized he was out there all alone. If, if there's, there's one piece of advice I'd offer other moms, moms out there... there it's to stay it's calm ignore and keep to message. the plan. Some parents plan ahead. Some don't. Make sure you know where to find your family in an emergency. Start your plan at ready.gov. A public service announcement brought to you by FEMA and the Ad Council. I want to thank everyone for taking the time to tune in to today's show and just for uh trying to figure this whole thing out with me this whole tanking thing we both love i think we all not both everyone that's listening we all love the nba and we want to see the league be great want to see the knicks be great if you're a knicks fan i always feel like you know this could be me just being selfish but the league is a lot better when you know new york's team is actually good and not just a laughing stock so it's things like that you want to make sure is there some improvement with the league and it's not just about everyone losing to to gain for later it's it's just too much of that and, and we got to see something happen so Zion Williamson man is a lot of pressure on your so on your shoulders right now let's see what happens until next week you've been listening to Sports Social with Eddie Stin Jr here on every podcast network you could find